Our text for this morning's sermon comes from Psalm 27, which we read together. I'll read verse 4 again. That's the focus this morning. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, what is your deepest desire? What do you long for? Popular culture would have you wish for all sorts of things. TV commercials advertise a wide array of materialistic things that would fill your desires. Vehicles, trips, the latest electronic device, houses, retirement. Already at a young age, Children are asked this question through books and movies. Just think of stories such as Aladdin or Cinderella and other tales of genies or fairies granting a person the opportunity to wish for anything they want. So what if that story or movie was about you? If someone were to read the story of your life or watch that movie, if they were able to look from the outside in, what would your choices tell them about you? What would it reveal about the law, the law, what lives in your heart? What type of person you are? In today's scripture passage, we're offered the opportunity to take a look into the life of David. We're given the chance to take a sneak peek at a scene of his life. And we're able to witness the singular most important desire of his life. And by taking a close look at David's desire, we're also able to learn a lot about what motivates him what drives him, and what it is that lives in his heart. So our theme for this morning is that David desires to dwell in the house of the Lord. We'll see that it reminds him of God's protection and it reminds him of God's character. Our text opens up with the amazing confession from David where he says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. We can sense that there's something profound in these words, something inherently beautiful. But what is it specifically that makes these words so beautiful? We know that the words sound good, but what does it actually mean, for example, to want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our lives? Well, looking at our English translation is probably tempting. It's probably tempting to think that David is talking about the temple. After all, that's what he specifically says at the end of verse 4. At first glance, the text seems to suggest that David is making some type of, of forward-looking statement, some type of desire for the future, that he might somehow be able to experience the great temple that his son Solomon would build for God. After all, that temple would prove to be one of the most amazing structures of the ancient world. However, in this case, the English can be a bit misleading. Because the word translated as temple at the end of verse 4 is a word that's also used to describe the tabernacle. In fact, all four terms that David uses to refer to God's dwelling place in verse 4 and 5 are all terms used in scripture to describe the tabernacle. So instead of thinking of David as making some type of forward-looking statement, a desire for the future, we need to understand that David is actually talking about a present reality. When he's talking about wanting to be in the house of the Lord, he's talking about a desire to be in the tabernacle, the place where God, has worship, where God was worshipped in David's time. 
Why does he desire to be there? Because the tabernacle was a place in which the presence of God was experienced in a very real way. This wasn't just some type of little makeshift shelter. Exodus 25 tells us that the tabernacle was a place that was designed by God, designed to be beautiful, designed to reflect his glory. In the chapters of 26 to 31 in Exodus, we discover that everything from the poles to the curtains to the altars to the priestly garments to the sacrifices, they all had to be done just so because the place where God dwelt among his people was to be a place of beauty, a place that reflected the character of God. In all Israel, the one place in which you felt safe, secure, and close to God was in the tabernacle, in God's house. So David's desire to dwell with the Lord is about wanting to be in the one place where he can experience God's presence in a very real way. He is saying that he wants to be where God is. In fact, the text tells us that this is the one thing that David will seek after, to be in the presence of God. And the reason why David desires this experience is because he is completely aware of the fact that throughout his life, it is God's presence that has guided and protected him. This is evident from the opening verses of the psalm. The psalm begins with David crying out, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David confesses that with God by his side, there's nothing that he'll be afraid of. Look at verse 2 and 3. Even if David faces enemies or armies, he says, I will be confident. David finds confidence in God's presence. Now, perhaps you might be thinking, well, sure, it's easy for David to express confidence. After all, look at his life. This was a man whom God made king. God expanded his empire. He enjoyed military success, had a beautiful palace, had lots of money. Maybe you're thinking, if I had that life, if that was me, well, then I'd be confident too. And yet, if we actually look closely at David's life, it's clear that David was no stranger to hardship, trials, and adversity. In fact, his life was in danger many times. We can recall many of the stories. Already as a young shepherd boy, David had to face lions and bears. We know of his battle with the Philistine giant Goliath. This giant kept an entire Israelite army at bay, and yet David risked his life to go out and fight him. Then later, when he was a servant in Saul's kingdom, we read that Saul twice tried to take his life. We know that David spent years on the run, hiding from Saul, in mountains and caves. He even lived among the Philistines. And this list of hardships that David faced goes on and on. After all, all the ones listed only occurred before he became king. In many ways, David is a man who has every reason to question God and to doubt his promises. Many times it must have seemed like God wasn't protecting him at all. Many times, the dangers and challenges of life kept him far from the tabernacle, far away from the sanctuary of God, far away from that place where God's presence was felt in such a real way. And you can imagine that with all these challenges and all these hardships in his life, there's only one place he wanted to be. And he wanted to be there so badly. He wanted to be able to access the tabernacle courts 
to be able to come into the presence of God. For it was God, confesses David in 1 Samuel 17, who delivered him from the lion and the bear. It was God who gave him the victory over Goliath. When you read the stories about Saul's attempts on David's life and his pursuit of David, it becomes plain to see that David knew it was God who provided him with a special measure of protection. It was God, says David in Psalm 27, verse 5, who will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. David was not promised an easy life, nor did he get one. But he had the confidence of knowing that he was safe in the presence of God. And so that was the one place he desired to be. Now, sometimes it might seem easier to see God's presence in David's life than it is to see him in our own lives. After all, we have the advantage of reading the entirety of Scripture. We have a bird's eye view of David's life. And we can read about the amazing plan that God has for him. But I wonder, when you step back and look at your life, what do you see? Without having the benefit of this external vantage point, are you able to see the constant presence of God in your life? Do you see his plan? The reality is that sometimes it can be incredibly difficult particularly when you're in the moment. We might not see enemies and armies and war coming up against us, but we all face challenges. When the bills are piling up, when your relationship with your wife or your kids is under stress, when you face uncertainty about whether or not the treatments will be effective, then it's hard sometimes to say, I will be confident. But remember that Psalm 27 is not just about David wanting to seek, seek God's presence when times are good. In fact, the second half of the psalm gives us a glimpse into David's life during a period of hardship, a time when he's pleading with God, struggling to see his presence. He cries out about it in verse 7 to 12. Be merciful to me. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away. Do not reject me or forsake me. David is clearly in a time of trouble. So what does he do? He desires to be in the presence of God. He desires to find safety and security and protection in the one place where it can be truly found. We hear him say to God in verse 8, You have said, Seek my face. So your face, Lord, shall I seek. I won't rely on me, but I will rely on you. It's a shining example of walking by faith, obeying God and trusting his promises. And we too have every reason to have confidence in God's promises and protection. And that confidence is rooted in Jesus Christ. Think for a minute about who really should have had the right to say the words of this psalm. Who really should have been allowed to cry out, be merciful to me. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away. Do not reject me or forsake me. Jesus Christ he was the one who deserved mercy, the one from whom God did hide his face. He was the servant who was turned away. He was rejected and forsaken. And why? So that we might truly know what it is to enjoy the presence of the Lord. So that we might experience what it truly is to be under the protection and safety of our God. 
It's a safety that's not about an easy life or about material security or good health, but it's about resting in the protection of the promises of God. Promises that are based on the bigger picture. Promises that have our ultimate destiny in mind. Promises that have been secured for us in Jesus Christ. That is the protection that God offers. That is the protection that really matters. That's the protection that gives us hope. It's important to see that the second half of our text builds on the first. In the first half of the verse, we saw that David desires to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life because he recognizes that in God's presence he has found protection and security. And the faithfulness and protection of God, which David confesses in the first half of verse 4, compels him to say in the second half that he desires to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And you have to remember that when David entered the tabernacle courts, the beauty of the Lord is something that you simply could not miss. It hits you right between the eyes. As we mentioned earlier, everything about the tabernacle reflected the glory of God. There was not a detail that was overlooked. The sacrifices, the ceremonies, the priesthood, the altars, it all pointed to the beauty, the character, and the goodness of God. It pointed to God as a God of justice and holiness who demanded payment for sin. But it also pointed to God's grace and mercy as he gave the people a chance to seek atonement for their sins. Just being there, just coming to the house of the Lord was an experience that made an overwhelming statement about the God of Israel. Imagine being able to come into the presence of God like that. So from David's perspective, he's expressing here an intense adoration of God, marveling at who he is and what he has done. And this adoration of who God is only leads David to desire to want to know him more, to walk closer with him. He doesn't just desire to seek God for his protection, for what he can get from God, but David wants to seek the Lord because he is amazed by who he is. He wants to be guided by the Lord to know his will because this offers hope. David stresses this when he says that he desires to inquire or perhaps to meditate in God's temple. And he expresses this more clearly in verse 11. There David says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path. We have a picture here of David being humbled in the presence of God. He wants to learn God's ways. David sees that everything he is, everything that he has become, is totally and completely the work of God. And looking back on his life, David realizes that even in his darkest moments, God had him by the hand and God was leading him along. God was always there, would always be there. That's just part of the beauty of who God is. We see David highlight God's faithfulness in verse 10 when he suggests that even if his father and mother had abandoned him, something that seems almost unfathomable in any society, even if that could happen, we know that God's faithfulness and love will never be in doubt. We can't even begin to wrap our minds around the depth of God's love, his faithfulness, his commitment. Instead, all we can do, like David, is stop and admire 
and meditate upon the beauty of who God is. And when by God's grace our eyes are opened and we begin to see who God is, then we cannot help but want to know God more, to trust him more, and ultimately to praise and worship him for who he is. So perhaps we could ask ourselves today, do we see the beauty of the Lord? Are we driven to humility? Are we driven to praise and worship? Is that the desire that brings us to church each Sunday? Are we, are we here because we love to be in the presence of God? Do we see his beauty? Now, it might be that you're struggling, in fact, to see the beauty of God. Maybe it's the brokenness of life that's clouded your vision. Maybe stress, your grief has blocked your view. Perhaps the demons of depression are choking out the light. Whatever the case might be, there can be times when it is tough to feel the presence of God or to see his beauty. And as long as we are in this life, that will be a challenge. But you're not alone in that challenge. Even the great saints of the past had times that they felt alone. Read the Psalms. They're filled with those who are crying out to feel the presence of God. And yet the hope that we can cling to is the same hope that the saints of old held to. They knew that God does not change. We might not see him. Our corrupt human nature might block our vision from time to time. But God's beauty, his character remains. And the beauty of God's character is something that we still see today. We should see it every week as we come into the house of God. It's something that churches everywhere should prominently display. This doesn't have to be done through the beauty of the building itself, the way that the tabernacle is just stunningly beautiful. Instead, today we reflect the beauty of God by way of the message that is delivered inside this church building. For God is still a God of justice and holiness. That has not changed. He is still angered by sin and he still demands payment for sin. And that should be on display. It's a big part of the reason, like this morning, that we still read the law of God each Sunday as we're forced to come face to face with the requirements of a holy and just God. But God also remains a God of grace and mercy. And that too must be on display. The beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ must shine forth from the church of God. Every week when we come here, the mercy and compassion of God offered in Jesus Christ should hit us right between the eyes. So when you are battling and when things seem dark, don't place your trust in yourself. Don't trust those thoughts and feelings which love to sow seeds of doubt. Instead, seek the one who does not change. That's where we'll find confidence. That's where David too found confidence throughout his life. That's why David's only desire was to seek the presence of the one who does not change. And God's word is clear. He will be gracious to those who seek him. Proverbs 8 verse 17 says, I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently find me. Those are the promises of God. Promises that will not change because they are made by a God who does not change. Wherever you find yourself today, seek this God and he will be found. Learn about what he has done. Discover who he is 
and what he has done for you in Christ Jesus. Learn what it is to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Make that your hope. And that doesn't mean all your problems in life will suddenly disappear. It may be that God leads us down a road where we have many challenges, that we struggle to see his presence. And yet it all comes back to the fact that our hope is not based in our confidence in ourselves, but it's based on God, on his promises, and what he has done for us in Christ Jesus. God does not promise health, wealth, and prosperity. But this is what he does promise. He promises that those who place their faith in God, who look to him, and who seek forgiveness through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, God promises that a day is coming when they really and truly will know what it is to dwell in the house of the Lord. One day we will know in the most complete way what it is to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to live together with our God, and to experience life in his presence. That is the promise of God, a promise that gives us real hope and allows us to say with David, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Amen.